1: Good morning, everyone. We are live. It is Saturday. I'm joined here by Rich Rebar. I mean, man who needs no introduction. <laughs> and uh, thanks so much for coming on the show today. How's, how was your week?
0: This is good, man. Week two is awesome. I'm glad that, the, you know, we're starting to get a little bit in the flow of the season. It's always a struggle early in the yeah. year to kind of find that workflow. And, you know, as you know, someone that spends a lot of time with data, you know, only having a couple of weeks, we need more. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's been uh, kind of a, a, a struggle trying to get like the, the streamlined process where the articles and stuff start to write themselves. Right. So, get a couple more weeks we're gonna get bye weeks in a couple weeks things get a little easier uh after that i think week eight is the only week without buys uh that will kind of throw another wrench in things especially someone that writes all 16 games up every week uh i'll definitely be looking for those bye weeks and more data to be there just to help my process but it's always good man
1: yeah i agree (laughs) it seems like you need those first couple weeks to make sure all the ducks are in a row and then the thing starts to feed itself and that kind of leads right into the question i wanted to open with which is like you said you know you work closely with the data you write up all 16 games like how do you balance a two game sample versus what we thought going into the season whether that's like projections or just assumptions about how a team would be, because two games still feels like a pretty small right. sample. What's your sort of like weight on that?
0: Yeah, early in the season, I'm more or less just looking for things that are just be starting to become like trends, right? Like what happened in week one that happened in week two, things like that. And it's still just like you said, it's so small, mostly looking at just like usage patterns for players. Uh, we're trying to get kind of the feel for, you know, what roles actual players are in in this offenses that they kind of determined they were going to be in, you know, because the preseason really didn't give us a lot of, clarity and you know, especially with us losing a preseason game the last two years and week one being such a travesty i don't know if mm-hmm. that's directly related to the preseason because yeah both week, the past week ones the, this year and last were awful for fantasy football
1: i've been like. thinking that too it's like we really and that just changes how we're going to be able to think about teams in week four right like the, yeah like i think week one I was thinking the same thing as those games were being played. It's like, this is just a preseason, but it counts toward the playoff records.
0: And I don't know how much of that, like I said, we can actually attribute. It's hard to quantify, like, the players not playing. And is this why it's a slow start? Because last year, the entire season was a downscoring year. Mm -hmm. And we so getting that immediate bounce back last week, where I think there was 22 more offensive touchdowns scored last week than there was in week one. And seeing that immediate kind of bounce back, was huge like because we yeah. didn't we didn't want to struggle for like three weeks and say like all right everyone's fine in their footing so seeing right. some teams kind of come back and i think 13 games went over last week which mm-hmm. which is always great because that means a lot of fantasy points are scored when the exactly. games are going over we're getting fantasy points no yeah i mean there was
1: there was some good i mean that, that like broncos commanders game was nuts the giants come back and we're gonna... where were you sunday which one did you see live so sunday i was at the bills um raiders game okay so it was not the most exciting like football game but the bills looked really good and the ranchers looked really bad but the the bills mafia lived up to the hype too so that was just a fun game to be at the only game i've seen so far where every fan was in their seat right at kickoff like you don't think about that during a football game but the bills fans they're they're there they're all rocking right at kickoff and we're gonna continue with a few a lot more with Rich Rebar here. But first, a quick word from the Podfather.
0: Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go
1: to your happy place. Price, price line.
2: Hey, I want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. It's important to me that all of our media be free. And one of our key missions is to make as much statistics and information and deep analysis available on playerprofiler.com for free. This is only possible because of you allowing a true independent sports media enterprise to thrive unlike any other in the business so please subscribe to the all-in package to continue to make all this possible if you can't do all-in that's okay we have a draft kit we can just subscribe to the player rankings those now include tight end premium ffpc ranks our brand new data analysis package will blow your hair back and of course there's our dynasty deluxe and our dfs dominator Take a moment, check out our premium services to ensure that all of our stats, information, data, content is available to you, especially you, the people that get the site and get the show. And we're
1: back here with Rich Rebar. As, as the Podfather said, make sure you guys are subscribed to Player Profiler. Like, we have all the best features out there, and if you want to win in DFS, in Dynasty, make sure you're subscribed to that. But Rich, again, thanks so much for coming on today's episode. I like to kind of just give people a backstory for sort of their favorite analysts. So do you want to start out by telling us like what was the first league you played in? Do you remember like when you got started with fantasy football?
0: Uh, I, I remember, you know, being I want to say around like 12 or 13 years old, not like a league. But I remember like I would print out. Uh, like sheets and it would have like the, the players like pick them and like take them around. And, like, we'd all my friends, like you'd put in like a dollar or $5 and you'd pick the players and we'd tally all the points and you'd win. I'd get like my friend's dads in it and everything. Oh, wow. And uh, this is, you know, we're talking like, 1993 man like 1994 like so like you know guys like you know Troy Aikman and Steve Young like all that, like Michael Irvin, and all the all the fun you know players that are now <laughs> all going into the Hall of Fame and making me feel super old uh you know we're picking players from that and that was kind of like how I started like my f- first form of degeneratism like yeah. collecting money because we always like uh me and my friends always played like poker for car like change and stuff and uh-huh. like for for car uh <laughs> and then like exchanging like uh football cards and baseball cards like we always did all that stuff so that was kind of where i first started and you know i've just been playing fantasy football literally ever since i was actually huge in fantasy baseball forever and that's how i got into the inroads with fantasy football is because you know fantasy baseball was just more accepting to analytics and there, mm-hmm. there was things were more acceptable and then when fantasy football started to let more of that in the door i was like ooh, i can just kind of do this for four months instead of you know seven months and yeah. then because fantasy baseball is the ultimate grind like the the, the people that are creating Definitely fantasy baseball yeah. content and are do- in the streets man. hats off to you you guys are the true heroes because <laughs> fantasy baseball is a war of attrition man
1: yeah. no <laughs> kidding i mean I feel like in my fantasy baseball leagues back home, it's like if, if you're not a contender in like June, just like throw the season away. Um, and then do you remember your first like fantasy draft pick? Like,
0: uh, like actual like in a league, I, I don't, I don't remember at the time, like who, like actually like my first pick was, um, i wish i could like had a recollection of that i mean i've drafted so many damn fantasy football teams over (laughs) 40 years man uh yeah my old soul uh but i I don't remember the actual first pick but i mean i like i said i was playing in the mid 90s where you know you're getting dan marino and yeah (laughs) do you
1: remember remember your first championship then like when when, like any key cogs in that lineup
0: uh, no, man, actually, like, I wish I had a great memory for it. Uh, like saying, oh, this is when I won my first fantasy championship. Uh, but I mean, I, I generally have like great, like fantasy football playoff memories over the years, uh, from different leagues, you know, uh, starting Tim Hightower in a fantasy championship. I remember streaming Sean Hill when he was in the 49ers in a fantasy championship and winning, uh, we were joking with my father-in-law, our, our home league that now is on 18 years. Uh, the very first year he had Clinton Portis with the, the Washington Redskins at the time and he threw a touchdown pass in the game oh, wow. and like winning a championship off of that uh was super cool but you know like playing like the, you always remember like like the, the dart throws you caught uh, I remember starting Jernell Jernigan in a and like so you remember those you don't necessarily remember like all like the absolute like hammer games from like the behemoths you remember like great calls you made like mm-hmm. starting, say, say, a Jira with the uh, Chargers. I remember him like say, doing things like that, like always stick out, man. Uh, uh, for like because those are the calls you made and like you try to stream stuff, it's not just the anchors that got you there.
1: Yeah, no, that's awesome. And then I think you know, you're pretty much one of the foremost like kind of analysts of, of fantasy. I'd say like your worksheet is pretty much is up there with any other like weekly content anyone else is putting out. So you don't mind giving us like a peek behind the curtain of your process (laughs) like what do you think is a factor that does a good job of like predicting games that maybe people underrate whether that's game level or player level like some predictive factor that you like to key in on
0: well there's a a lot that goes into it and i think it's there's different variables for different players um obviously i'm taking a top-down look first at the game environment you know you've got all like the 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 worksheet opens at the table of all this team data right like you know you've got your, your point spread but you've got also you know, yards per play stuff, how many, you know, run pass splits for each team. And we're kind of look at incorporating that at first, the, the game environment, and then we're just going through each player and just different kind of the uh, keys to the matchup. Uh, and I think that's what stands out the most. I've, I've definitely grown over the years too, because when, when I started doing that article, obviously it was at NBC uh, and we had Evans matchups and, you know, having going heads up with Evans matchups, like made me want to raise my game. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we've seen as people have, you know, the industry's expanded, more people have gone on their own. We've had more things go behind paywalls and like it's opened up guys like, you know, when I left NBC at the same time Evan did, he took matchups to ETR. I took the worksheet, you know, to Sharp Football Analysis, and it opened up a door for this void in the industry to create a free article. And Mike Taglier, we miss you, Mike, went and did it at Fantasy Pros and started doing the same type of article. He's passed that on to, to Derek Brown, uh, you know, who's doing an excellent job. But when I see people have those articles out there and they're all doing a good job it's it's not it's a competition for me, i need to be better than those especially if mm-hmm. i'm someone that's you know now has work behind a paywall you know listen i'd love to have everything for free but you know writing man gets paid to do writing it is what it <laughs> is uh but when i see those people doing those other articles they're direct competition i want to make it so you want to read this one versus those ones and you want to mm-hmm. come here so i need to always kind of up my game either having new stats uh improving accuracy uh throughout the course of a. Uh, the season, which is something I always really harp on, but it's really good for me too. It's not just from a stance of helping other gamers for me. Like I'm me writing up every single player every week makes me such a better podcast guest it makes me such a better you know player for prop bets it makes me such a better better when i'm betting the games it makes me such a better fantasy players all these avenues where it is a lot of work but i'm really extremely grateful by the time i get through the process every week because i have such a stronger grasp on the entire landscape instead of just saying like looking at like a matchup's thing and you're like well this team's giving up this amount of points this position or like you see like the little red and green things yeah, you're yeah, setting yeah. lineups <laughs> like you get such a more firmer grasp of like actual environments like well this team's giving up this many points to wide receivers well where are they giving up the points is it to the slot is it to the boundaries is it vertical is do they, they struggle a short passing game if it's a team giving up points to running backs is it because they're just in you know favorable game script like the, the chiefs were like this for years right like the chiefs were had like a decent run defense for a couple years but they're they force teams in negative game script and they're just giving up all these dump offs because they're playing shell coverage mm-hmm. and receiving running backs were really good against them but it was kind of manipulated through game script it wasn't like they were necessarily like bad against mm-hmm. receiving running backs it was largely game script induced and what structure of defenses they're running at that point of the games uh so you just get like a better grasp of like all of like the the areas of like where fantasy scoring is being where the points are going and how they're getting there uh and that that's how i feel like is one of the like the strengths of what I provide in an article and then what I learned doing the article for myself.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. That, that makes sense. And then you kind of touched on this a little bit, but what do you think is that next sort of cutting edge innovation or that next big stat that people are going to key in on? Do you like a peek around the corner? Maybe.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I, if, if I knew it, I'd be doing it already, but I mean, I, I'll say, so when I started, I had like the, the, the dreams of grandeur. I think a lot of people when that do fantasy football analysis, like I wanted to find the skeleton key. And a mm-hmm. lot of my initial work was trying to find like the that next stat, right? And try I created a lot of stats when I was new. A lot of people don't remember this, but I was like the, I did fantasy points per route run first. I did it at XN Sports. I was the like the first person doing like route data, like per route stuff. Okay. And now it's like a forefront. You're getting targets per route run, all this stuff. But I started an article when Denny Carter brought me on because Denny got me my first job at XN Sports. I did fantasy points per out run, and it was my like kind of like baby and metric. But as the years have gone on, I've stopped trying to like hunt for that skeleton key. And I think like the key, at least for me, what works for me. So different things work for different people. Uh, is taking large like chunks of data and distilling them to the public in a way that the general public wants to consume them. I think that's one of the, the strengths I bring, or at least I think I believe that, you know, I <laughs> but I think you, you're taking all these data and like all these metrics, right? Cause people want to hear like all these acronyms, A. dot and stuff. But like it's hard to write an article where you just have like a bunch of graphs, right? Like there's a, a there's a finite audience that like one mm-hmm. is computing all that stuff and then wants to read and consume work that way. Uh, there's a lot of intelligent people that, are creating work like way better than I can in that field. But the general public that's playing fantasy football still like wants to kind of like, they don't want their handheld, but they do want just like, give me the analysis, you know, Mm -hmm. don't make me do the work. Uh, You know, they want the analysis. And I feel like that's one of the strengths. I'm taking all this data, all these metrics and incorporating them in a way that's like easy to consume. Um, And then also through like a people that just like understand football, like, They want to be told, like, break this down for me, like if I'm a regular football watcher to make it make sense. And I feel like that's one of the things I bring to the table.
1: Mm -hmm. That makes sense. And then you've also kind of touched on this a little bit, but who are some other analysts or any other like ideas in the fantasy space that would you'd say have influenced you the most?
0: Yeah. I mean, so many, so many guys, I've been really blessed to find my way through a lot of the the great people in this industry. I'm really grateful. Uh, you know, obviously guys like JJ Zachary, and I've had a relationship with him for a decade. It's been, you know, great to work with him. So I decided, he's one of my like real good friends. We bounce a lot of ideas off of each other. He's kind of my heat check guy. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, what do you think about this idea? I'm thinking about this article, like where are the fallacies of this, uh, you know, getting to work with, you know, Evan and Sigmund Bloom early in my career was great. Uh, and then the, Fantasy douche, like who's not around. I mean, do you even know Fantasy douche? I've only like
1: heard the name from, you know, talking to other, like I think um, Matt Freeman was telling me about like
0: the early Rotoviz yes. days as
1: well. And, you know,
0: I don't even know his real name. So Pete Over has actually met him in real life. I don't even know his real name. He, you know, his ghost, his ghost writing handle was Frank DuPont. But when I went and worked for Rotoviz, you know, just when you're ra- writing an article, like this is where you can write through the lens of like, this is where you could, like, you would tear down your article right like where where are you wrong in mm-hmm. your assumption and that makes you such a better writer and it makes you such a better fantasy player because you know it gives you better conviction it teaches you how to write better but also how to understand like where you can get tore down right like this is mm-hmm. this is where this philosophy could be wrong as well and it just makes you a better all around everything writer player all around so I, I i really love frank and i miss him uh just because he he shaped a lot of how i write and how i approach creating content for people
1: mm-hmm. like he was your editor i guess back then or in he days, was or? everything at
0: the time like we had an actual editor of the site but he that was his baby wrote which now sean and you know curtis have taken over mm-hmm. uh but he would read everything and he would give you just a lot of really great feedback but he gave you feedback in a way that was so constructive and he just had this way of telling you how wrong you were in the nicest way <laughs> and but it was you know because some people you know you 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 take umbrage of stuff or you get defensive uh, when you try to tell people, but he did it in he, his way of just communication was so strong and it just made everyone so much better. It's like, it was like a real steel, sharpened steel, like kind of, uh, environment there. And I, it was one of the best environments I had because you look at what's, what everyone's gone on to do mm-hmm. there. You know, we talked about like, you know, Friedman and, you know, we had Siegel there at the time and, you know, John Moore and it's just like, everyone kind of went through there and it, we all just made each other so much better. You know, Jonathan yeah. Bales, who obviously is, is not doing his own thing and stuff, but it's just so good, man, early on.
1: Yeah, and no, a lot of, I mean, I remember I probably got on the like fantasy Twitter streets in maybe 2015, and it was like all of you guys were like the sharp minds t- to, be, to be keying in on. And then I think that kind of segues into my next point, which is about, you know, you're pretty much, I'd say the biggest thing you're known for, and I, I think you might agree with this, is like the Konami Code article, right? If there's like yeah. one, like, one, like, really, direct thing you can hit on is that so i mean if do you want to summarize it in case anyone hasn't heard uh
0: what's funny is that article just hit the 10-year anniversary i wrote that article 10 years ago uh it's really trash like the actual like going because it's anything you, you go back and read probably if you ask any musician or artist like they go back like grade your early work I'm such a better writer than I was then <laughs> but the concept still holds true and mm-hmm. the, the merits of like what I was drilling into at the time like are still really sound and you see it all the, uh in today in fantasy football it's it's actually what's really wild this I when I wrote that article is originally about when you know coming off the Tim Tebow season and Terrell Pryor was going to start for the Raiders and just understanding that you don't need good quarterback play for fantasy play because of the way rushing was weighted at the time mm-hmm. now it's, manip- it's it's progressed in such a way where now we've got because human evolution we've just got better athletes playing quarterback mm-hmm. and now and now these guys are great passers too like they're giving you elite passing and rushing and these guys are just so hard to combat and the fantasy community knows if you look at fantasy adp like look at the guys that are getting drafted highly right like you know yeah. it is the josh allen it's the Jalen. they understand the archetype of the player that offers a floor plus this immense ceiling if you get the elite mm-hmm. passing season. Uh, but at the time, it was harder to run into those seasons. We had 2010 Vic. You had 2015 Cam Newton. But like those players weren't consistently giving you those seasons throughout their career. It was like you had this one spike season, and then Cam Newton was Cam Newton. You had Michael Vick with the 2010 season, then Michael Vick was Michael Vick. Mm-hmm. And now we're having these guys at the top that are just like, this is who they are as players. And like I said, fantasy gamers have really realized it. But what's funny is the running quarterbacks now have manipulated are starting to manipulate fantasy football in a different way. And I wrote about this, this, this off season looking at like league wide trends and, and, As running has become more prevalent through NFL offenses, as we've seen like the defensive meta shift to more too high shells, uh, they want to prevent big plays in the passing game. Teams have started to use their mobile quarterbacks in the running game, so it's you know natural leverage. You make the defense play 11 on 11 defense as opposed to 11 on 10 defense when your quarterback hands the ball to running back, right? Right, and mobile quarterbacks are manipulating fantasy football now in different avenues. Running back targets have dropped now five years in a row. We're mm-hmm. getting less use of running backs in the receiving game because mobile quarterbacks don't really check down as much. And there's a bunch of, you know, articles and data written on that. Also running backs now are getting less usage inside the five because teams are using their quarterback right. for these carries. Uh, so it's, it's crazy to see like how mobile quarterbacks now are starting to manipulate other avenues and it's like kind of circles back to even what I was talking about a decade ago uh, and to, to see it continue happening because we still are only probably a third of the league still has a mobile quarterback like mm-hmm. there's still no really cap of understanding where this goes is do we eventually reach a time where 20 teams have quarter dual threat quarterbacks 25 like we don't yeah. we haven't really seen the cap of the ceiling of where this like where the bubble pops and you see like maybe a dead cap bounce we don't really know yet yeah no, it's
1: I think because of like the league wide ideas of what a quarterback is that that held true for so long that that's like been very recent that you have these guys taking over and i think that like kind of like you said fantasy gamers have come to understand like okay you want Josh Allen you want Lamar Jackson but do you think that there's any quarterback right now who has that rushing floor ceiling combo that's maybe still
0: kind of underrated uh, I don't know. I'd say underrated. Cause like I said, it, even the gamers like understand like, it, you, so Justin Fields is a guy that like a ton of questions come into the season because mm-hmm. you needed for his ADP where he was that passing spike that was already being priced in to happen for him to like smash. He's, he was like the traditional Konami code guy. Like, the guys like Josh Allen or even Jalen Hurts, because he had such a good passing season last year. Like we're not traditional Konami guys. Like these are guys that are actually just like dual threat fantasy assets. Last year, Justin Fields was a traditional Konami guy. Like you're getting mm. there through the rushing floor, not really getting the passing stats. But that's why he had like a lot of really good QB one weeks. But like he didn't really pace the position outside of like the the like like that, that three week stretch he went like absolutely bonkers for. Yeah. And that's because you're getting like 40 yard rushing touchdowns, which aren't sustainable. And we've seen now that the he hasn't had as good as rushing. And we're two weeks in. Granted, you remember his, 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 he sucked the last two weeks of the last season, too. So yeah. we could see this thing turn around. But the reason you're not getting those spike weeks is you're not getting the rushing. And the, the rushing has been gone down. He's got five designed rushing attempts to two games. He averaged mm-hmm. six per game last year. Um, and you're not getting that passing spike, right? Like that where people were projecting because people were like, it happened for Stefan Diggs or Josh Allen when he yeah. got Stefan Diggs. It happened for Jalen Hurts when he exactly. got AJ Brown. And we haven't seen that happen for Justin Fields yet. Um, and then you like, we'd think about like Taysom Hill when he took over for that stretch. Like he was a traditional yeah. comedy hill guy. So like the only guy that was kind of like not re- having it really priced in this year, I think was Anthony Richardson. Cause nobody knew what kind of ceiling he had for passing, especially mm-hmm. given his, his, where he was as an efficiency, a lack of efficiency coming out of, uh, Florida. Um, but he's been a lot better quarterback and we, we only saw him for a quarter, uh, for two weeks, but the passing production for Anthony Richardson through, you know, five quarters of football <laughs> yeah. uh, was I think better than people were expecting, mm-hmm. or at least like, Oh, I think we were expecting the worst. We were coming in saying, well, we know we're going to get rushing. We'll expect the worst or passing and see where it goes. But the passing was actually a little better. I think than people thought it was. Mm-hmm. And it was a positive sign. You know, credit, I think Shane Steichen too, because they were able to get the ball out. And I, I think people were optimistic about Shane Steichen getting paired with, with Anthony Richardson because of what he did with Jalen hurts, but they were getting the ball out quick in. and, uh, you know, in the, in the seams and on the right side of the field, obviously it was where he was throwing the ball, but he, he, they have him, if he's going to flirt with like a 60 to 65% completion rate and not a 55% completion rate, Mm -hmm. like that's a big deal for him for fantasy football. And he doesn't have to throw the, he doesn't necessarily have to throw for 4,000 yards or 30 passing touchdowns. If we get 20 to 25 passing touchdowns out of him, like that's going to be really huge for like his upside.
1: And I mean, he had, I think 10 carries in week one, three carries through a quarter in week two, like the floor or the, the ceiling of that rushing volume has been as good as anyone could have hoped. Like, where do you think Anthony Richardson is going to be valued in redraft ADP or or dynasty among quarterbacks this time next year?
0: I think it, even if he just has the same season, like I, he has to be in the same area where Justin Fields was going, right? Because you at least have to account for the, the potential ceiling, right? Because there's there, I think when I broke them into tiers, right? Like you have this tier where I would say like you have Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Herbert, right? They're these guys that do give you a little bit of rushing. They're not mm-hmm. complete statues anymore, and I think that's like said evolution. Like I don't know if we're gonna have a lot of traditional like pocket passers, right? Like Mac Jones is like the when you look at the prospects that have come out the last three or four years Matt yeah. Jones is like really the only guy that doesn't give you any mobility right because even like you like CJ Stroud who was a pocket passer in college and Bryce Young was a scrim- like you're getting rushing a little rushing still out of those guys but you had to kind of value from like a fantasy football lens of like an apex range of outcomes Justin Fields and Lamar Jackson may not be as safe as Trevor Lawrence Justin Herbert Joe Burrow but if everything goes right for those guys you run into that apex outcome they're just better fantasy football players right. because you're getting so much rushing. And if you get, if you have either of those guys even flirt with 30 passing touchdowns, they're
2: you're getting 2019. Just, Lamar just, Jackson. just whoosh.
0: Yeah. Just whoosh. And like those guys, the only way for Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Herbert to compete, to compete, to be the actual QB one in fantasy football is they have to throw and flirt with 40 passing touchdowns. Mm -hmm. And that's like really hard, even for great quarterbacks to just say like, I have to get 40 passing touchdowns out of my quarterback to maybe pay, to try to pace the position for guys that could throw 25 Mm -hmm. passing touchdowns. It's such a, it's such a thin razor to walk. And we saw it with Herbert last year, just how those guys can fall apart too. Because if you don't get those 40 passing touchdowns and hell, if you don't even get the 30 mm-hmm. and like some things just go wrong, your offensive line gets hurt. You run into just a shitty efficiency or like Justin Herbert had last year, Uh your wide receivers get hurt. And then like you fall, that archetype just falls apart. Yeah. And so you have to even understand like going into drafts, Justin Fields and Lamar Jackson don't have the safety of these picks. They don't, but they have this ability to have a, a floor through rushing and then just this immense ceiling that these guys just can't get to if they unless they flirt with 40 passes. They basically have to compete to win league MVP mm-hmm. <laughs> to be the yeah. QB1, which is why it's just like a wild outcome to to say, like, I'm gonna invest in this at ADP. Uh, when you have like this guy just has to have this thin razor outcome, so he's to be perfect. He has to be a perfect player.
1: Yeah. So what's let's, let's put it in print <laughs> next season, redraft adp Anthony Richardson.
0: I I would say his ADP will be like, yeah, probably like what, like fourth, fifth round in general public leagues, like in industry leagues. Like he'll probably be a little lower because of quarterbacks, but he would be, I would say like, he'll go off the board. I would say no later than QB six, QB seven. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I agree with that. And now let's shift to talking a little bit about week three. I mean, it's Saturday, so we got games tomorrow. Any underrated games, like game environments that you think the DFS public is a little bit low on right now that, that you're excited to play some guys from?
0: It, it, well, we're about 36 hours out for the gate kickoffs or not, or 24 hours out. So uh, we, I'll have to go and check like the, the, the Ophelia storm warnings to see what we're looking at. Oh, yeah. Everyone is freaking out about like, the East Coast storms. So I'll have to, to see exactly what we're looking at with our guys like Kevin Roth or Hillo who I do a show with, uh, who's got the aviation background uh, to see what we're looking like. But if we don't get like the weather stuff, I think one of the the games that's flying under the radar, which is wild to think about is commander's bills is the first one that sticks out uh, because we've got kind of the bills on the main slate and like you always come with like a high team total. They always can get the 30 points, but like they're not really projecting for like a lot of ownership uh, in DFS this week. And you kind of have this wild card of the commander side of like, what if Sam Howell's just kind of decent, Mm -hmm. like, or even good. We now have a three-game sample of him. Very small, but he's out-kicked like one. His DFS cost massively in all three games. Uh, he's been really good, and then you have this Eric Bienemy factor, right? Like Eric Bienemy won. Has worked with Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott. Leslie Frazier's no longer there, but he understands like how this defense wants to operate, and he's got a lot of uh, experience calling games against this style of defense that Sean McDermott runs. So I'm curious what he brings to the table in this matchup. And you know, the Bills are a defense we respect, but you know what if Sam Howell is just better than Zach Wilson? What if he's better than Jimmy Garoppolo, the two yeah. quarterbacks that the Bills face this year, and they get more pushback in this game. So that's a game. I think that is very interesting. Could be a game that's like a, it could definitely, it's not even hard to argue for it, like potentially going over. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I think most people listening would understand like, yeah, that game could go over. Uh, but if that game does go over, it's going to be through Sam Howell, right? Like yeah. the way it gets there is through Sam Howell and the play of Sam Howell. So Sam Howell looks like, you know, he's a guy like you want to maybe get some like loose exposure to, uh, especially, because this week people are looking in that price zone, they want to play cj stroud i think people want to even pay down and play gardner minshaw a little bit in those game environments so sam Howell's going i think a little overlooked because we know they're gonna have to score points and if that game's gonna pop it's gonna get there through him and we know that they've got really good weapons so that one's fun you're here to go to brown's titans yeah uh is this kind (laughs) of a we're we're eight games now into deshaun watson's uh you know brown's tenure and it's not gone well And we keep getting excuses made. Uh, But this is kind of a week where, like, you have to say, like, if we're going to get anything out of this Browns passing game, it's this game, right? Right. They lose Nick Chubb. You're facing this ultimate run funnel in the Titans. If you go back to last year, I mean, they don't allow any rushing yards. And it's funny because this three weeks in a row, we're going to get kind of like the RB volume chalk against the Titans. You know, you open with Jamal Williams. He flamed. You get Josh Kelly last week. He flames. People are still going to play Jerome Ford tomorrow. He's probably not going to do well, but so you have like all these factors that push themselves. Like the Browns have to get something out of this passing game tomorrow. They're not going to just line up and run the football without Nick Chubb against this Titans defense. So, you know, obviously Amari Cooper is like the, been like the one efficiency piece that's been like kind of decent with Deshaun Watson. You know, at least for one of the two games. But I think Elijah Moore. Like you look at Elijah Moore, he's he's run a route on eighty nine percent, eighty five percent of the team dropbacks. Two games he's got seven and nine targets. The Tennessee Titans have allowed double-digit PPR points to five different wide receivers already. We played two games. We played two (laughs) games. They've allowed sixteen or half or more PPR points to four different receivers in just two games. So I think Elijah Moore, at his price point, as a guy like you mix him into some maybe some even some doubles, you get unique. Uh, You you gotta, I think, swallow it. I think and and play mix into some Deshaun Watson this week because if it's not going to happen here, like when is it going to happen?
1: Right. Yeah. No, we, I mean, we were adjusting our dynasty rankings like the last couple of days after this week. And it's like the Deshaun Watson outlook is getting bleaker and bleaker mm-hmm. than ever, every week that he looks as washed as he did. And I mean, I was at the Browns last game, you know, Sunday in or Monday night in Pittsburgh. And I like, yeah, the opportunity for Elijah Moore is totally there right now. I mean, just the amount of chances he had, the air yards he's getting right now. Um, I think I agree that he's kind of the the appealing play from that game. Uh, is there any other final notes you want to hit on for like s- secrets for tomorrow's DFS <laughs> slate? Maybe? Well,
0: I mean, Nielsen, you're going to have to be creative. I've, obviously everyone's going to be playing chargers, Vikings and building stacks around that. The good thing about that game is uh, it is very hard to onslaught. Because of the price of all the players, I mean, if if you want to stack, if you're because if you're trying to run doubles with like bringbacks, Herbert plus Keenan Allen plus Mike Williams on both sites is forty to forty five percent of your salary. It doesn't give you a lot to work with. If you want to play Kirk Cousins plus Justin Jefferson plus T.J. Hawkinson, you're at the same boat. I think it's roughly around forty two percent on both sites uh, for just those three players. So you're gonna have to get great really mixing a lot of the ancillary guys. I think we'll see a lot of people go back to Josh Kelly, uh, which I think is good. And you're going to have to incorporate guys like I think, Jordan Addison, right? Mm-hmm. Like Jordan Addison, I think it'll be a popular play. You know, even even KJ Osborne is light. And then Alexander Madison, like is probably the guy that's going to like float through. Um, no one really wants to play him. He's probably not a good football player, but we already seen Cam Akers probably won't be active. It's a game where the Vikings probably are going to try to run the football more. I think Brandon Staley is going to invite them to run the football more as well. Uh, we've seen the Chargers—they've been they're bad against the run through two games, but you know, uh, they last week they—you play a team like the Titans, like they're gonna play the run more uh, than they will the pass. You know that mm-hmm. Brandon Saley's mo with that wide nine—they want you to. you want to see it like all these you know uh, high shell looks? We want to. Give, we're gonna give you light boxes. We want you to run the football because your best version of running the football is worse than your worst version of throwing the football. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that that's what's gonna be the approach for that game, and we know Brian Flores is gonna do the same thing. Brian Flores do two games. Has caught they've run man coverage th- on three snaps yeah. <laughs> through two That's games crazy. uh so he's gonna do the same thing you, you go back to that thursday night game against the eagles brian flores is gonna do the same thing he's not gonna let justin herbert beat him over the top uh, so it's you're gonna get a lot of uh you know light box looks i think we're gonna see josh kelly and we saw kellen moore in week one again when vic fangio did that vic fangio is like hey i'm gonna do my vic fangio thing we're run a lot of cover four a lot of cover six kellen moore was like hey we're gonna run 30 times i don't mm-hmm. care i'll call 30 runs and, yeah. and I think we, it could be a game like that where, where Kellen Moore's like, hey, I'll, I'll be your Huckleberry. I'll, I'll pound the rock if you want to let me. So uh, there's going to be some unique ways to get around that. Any um,
1: Elijah Dotson in your lineups? No, I don't think we're going to get there <laughs> at Elijah Dotson.
0: I will say it's it, you got to be encouraged though by the, the, the Chargers wide receiver usage. I don't know if anyone's really like, gone under the hood and looked at this, but under Kellen Moore, there has been a philosophical change on like how these guys are being used. Mm-hmm. Keenan Allen's getting a little bit of that C.D. Lamb route tree right now. And you go back, his first catch of the season was, uh, you know, a a wheel route down the sideline for 34 yards, uh, his, his, he running deep routes on uh 16% of his routes right now, 20 yards or further downfield last year it was just seven and a half percent. It'd be by far the highest rate of his career. He's getting this opportunity downfield. So that's like real when we, we would talk about the Justin Herbert eight out stuff all off, off season. And then Mike Williams as default, like they're moving him around. He's played in this, in the slot more than he has ever in his career. And you saw his target rate with no Austin Eckler. Cause you remove Austin Eckler from this offense. He's he commands targets himself. And then where do those go? They didn't go to Josh Palmer and Josh Kelly's not earning targets himself. So we saw Big Mike get the 13 targets, mm-hmm. like big target share, and he's getting more efficiency smoothing targets. Like Big Mike doesn't have to be like an exclusive slot player, but when you take a player that only won downfield and he only won in man coverage situations, you get him in this position to now get more efficiency boosting targets. It removes some of the volatility like a player like Big mm-hmm. Mike had, right? Uh, and we we've seen like the struggle, like a, a, like this in Cincinnati with T Higgins, right? Like T Higgins has become a really volatile fantasy player yeah. because he's only get, he's, he's he doesn't get those efficiency smoothing targets right. he's those,
1: getting those like 10 yard targets in the slot where like yes. you can, you can almost bank like a, a few fantasy points, like every game for those guys. But yeah, like you said, Higgins most of the time mike williams haven't been yes. getting that kind of usage
0: so it's it's really positive to see the usage for the chargers wide receivers i think big picture you got to feel good about having both of those guys right now we'll see you know when eckler comes back and it looks like he might not even come back to week six because they have a week five bye. Mm-hmm. uh so big mike might have a nice little early season run out because josh palmer is still playing above their slow ber- slow burning Quentin johnston and like no one else are target earners in that offense.
1: Mm-hmm. yep And then another thing I like to do with this show is kind of give people a look behind the curtain at, you know, who, who your favorite fantasy analysts are when they're not thinking about football, which is very few hours of the week, this time of year, admittedly. But, um, Matt wanted me to ask you how your flag football career is going.
0: I mean, it's, it's gone, man. It's dead. Uh, But I did get to go last year uh, to nationals in January. I had a pick that tweeted out. I wish we had prep here, you know, for producer prop the pop this up, but I did get to go and play 35 and older. We won nationals. But I think that was the swan song for like, I think a lot of us, us winning nationals uh, at our age at this point, because I'm I'm 41 at this point uh, uh, was basically it. I mean,
1: uh, w- like that's that's pretty crazy though, Nash. Like, I mean, you can say you're a fantasy foot for <laughs> flag football national. I champion. did play
0: at the expo, which this doesn't really count, man. Like, that doesn't really count. That's not really us playing or doing anything. It's literally a couple plays us running around. It's it's loose exercise. But uh for years we played. I played up until full time. I played until I was thirty-five years old. We had a buddy uh break his neck, unfortunately. Oh, yeah, and that was kind of like like, put us off. It's like, dude, we're 35. Like, a lot of people are just like, I have to go to work tomorrow. Like, you know, I can't tell my boss, like, I'm getting hurt playing flag football at 35. Uh, Cause That's before I was full time doing fans football at the time, too. It's like, I guess can't tell my boss, like, I'm, I'm getting hurt at my age, like, a weekend boring, like, yeah. uh, this shit. So it's like, uh, but when he broke his neck, it was kind of like a lot of people kind of went to retirement. I got called back out. And I, you know, I kind of missed it for years, too. And they were like, do you want to play? We're going to do 35 and older this year. I said, all right. I'm going to come out and that's winning. I My oldest son with me, he had a blast. That's, that's us winning. And it was great, but we traveled forever. We were nationally ranked for years. We were one of the best teams in Ohio for a long time. Um, it was great, man. I miss it. I I miss playing sports. Like that's mm-hmm. how I grew up. I grew up playing sports is how I got exercise. And that's when I started gaining weight. It's when I stopped playing softball. When I stopped playing football, I had to get back. It's like, I have to really exercise now and really exercising sucks, man. Yeah. It's not fun.
1: Yeah. No, I <laughs> played soccer in high school and that, like, that kept me in the best shape of my life and i feel like ever since i stopped it's it's definitely a struggle Um, and then you also mentioned that you and i I guess i presume you're going with your kids are going to a a video game convention later today so like tell us about your like video game hobbies anything in particular you like to play or
0: just I mean, a lot of people know for the years that follow I me. Mean, I'm a full nerd. Like I do this; it's not just fantasy ball nerd. Like I am the, the nerdiest of nerds. I do it all. Uh, we're huge into tabletop gaming. I've, I've been a tabletop gamer for years. I'm huge in video games. Obviously, I, I grew up playing video games, so I still play video games. today. I get to play with my kids, which is really cool. Uh, love that. And the kids are better than me at a lot of games too. Now, uh, the youngest one beat me in Mario Kart, and I was like, "Oh my God, I'm done. I'm toast, man. Like <laughs> I can't even like whoop on these kids anymore." Uh, but you know, yeah. So we're going to the gaming convention uh uh the cleveland gaming gaming convention today which is really cool so we're gonna see like some vintage stuff get some get some product be around uh, a lot of fellow nerds but uh yeah i'm into all that stuff man
1: what's your like number one game all time
0: uh, I mean, number one game all time is tough because there's, there's so many great games I've played over the years. I will say like games I've beaten like a lot and played a lot. I mean, uh, the, the, the original last of us and seeing the show come out and them do that, right? Thumbs up for that. But I, my, I got my son. He played through the, the two last of us too and really enjoyed it. So he wanted to watch the show, played that a ton. Uh, final fantasy seven, the original final fantasy seven is great. Uh, link to the past, you know, old, old Nintendo, uh, got to hook that up too. um, love that. Um, and the mass effect mass effect series is great, man. I love mass effect series. I'll uh, play it, but I'd play so many games over the years. Um, and I will continue to play games. I don't get as much time because of the, the work schedule. I'm trying to get through final fantasy 16 now before spider-man two comes out in the next okay. few weeks, but yeah. I only really get to play on the weekends at this point during football season. Cause I'm spending so much time, you know, again. First world problems. I understand you get to write out fantasy football. Sorry for you, but uh, you know, I don't get the game as much during the season. Yeah, that makes sense. And then
1: what are like some things that I should see while I'm here in your area in Ohio? Like, or what are the top attractions that you recommend
0: yeah i mean uh cleveland has really changed over my you know tenure here it was you know the, i think a lot of the faux big cities have really kind of you I, we were talking about pittsburgh and you're in pittsburgh and pittsburgh's one of those same cities that over the last decade has really changed it's gotten a lot nicer and i think what really kind of boosted a lot of these cities up was like food and beer culture right like people no longer when they traveled like they wanted to go eat like what where can i eat locally right they're watching diners dives diners drives and dives and like trying to see like where can i eat that i I wouldn't find like off off the beaten path Mm -hmm. um and like obviously a lot of people have want to go get like local beers like local beers became like a big thing for american yeah uh, you know travel story. you see at the expo like people like do the beer exchanges bring me beer where you come from and i'll be <laughs> we'll exchange these beers and i think a lot of those cities like got a boost from that like food and food and beer culture got like a huge boost that and it, it really improved Years we had a casino built like five years ago so like everything's kind of improved lebron brought a lot of economy to cleveland <laughs> uh it really boosted uh, the downtown area but you know we have the rock hall downtown Like I said, the casinos down there. The downtown's a lot nicer. We've got some Michael Simon restaurants you can go visit. uh, Downtown Butcher and Brew is my favorite place. Not a Michael Simon restaurant, but uh, we've got like a West Twenty Fifth Street. If you're in that area, like they've got a great like uh, food market that's amazing. Uh, You know, shout out to Steve's Euros uh, if you can go down there. Obviously, that was on Man vs. Food uh he went to steve's Zeros, so it's a really hot spot uh if you come down there they put hot sauce in the tzatziki you know it's Ooh, like a, so yeah good. so the tzatziki's with the hot sauce that's, that's <laughs> one of my favorites but um this midwest so there's lots of lots of beer lots of food to, to eat and drink up here
1: yeah what's like is there any particular regional food like only in cleveland or only in ohio that i should like make sure i try before i you know Continue on my road trip.
0: Ah, uh, people may take offense. I think it's more of like a melting pot. We have a lot more like obviously because if you do like Michael Simon stuff, forget get more like Mediterranean. Like you're doing like the pierogies, you're doing uh, like I said that red mer- train stuff. But the area I'm in, where they're you're visiting me, like in a suburb, uh we're right near one of the original steel mills in a, in America that was here. So uh-huh. we've got a lot of really good like Puerto Rican and Mexican food too, as well mm. from like a lot of where like you know a lot of immigration was started was here because they were it's where the jobs were right at the time so like we've got a really great uh underrated like i said uh you know you can get some some real good you know mexican and puerto rican food in my area
1: awesome yeah <laughs> that sounds really good and then what's like if i could ask you for one book recommendation i've been listening to a bunch of audio books now i'm doing all this driving like is there one book you'd recommend that has kind of like changed the way you think about any one thing in
0: particular Uh, So, I mean, you probably got, like, a lot of better, like, highbrow answers from, like, people that you've visited so far. I am more of a fiction reader, and when I do nonfiction, I like to read more, either, like, like documentary stuff or, like, stuff that's happened. So, like, uh, so some great, like, uh, nonfiction stuff you want to read. Can I Keep My Jersey by Paul Shirley. is a great uh read he's like this he was like this hanger on in the nba and played in like the european leagues and stuff he's got just like great stories of like his journey being like a not not being like a great like being like a fringe Mm -hmm. athlete and like so really cool uh if you want to read that obviously probably like rev red like bringing down the house or something like that bringing down the house because they made a really crappy movie version of it (laughs) uh 21 but then um you know fixed i grew up my my mom was a huge stephen king fan okay so, Like, I remember one of the first books I read was Cujo, and it like opened me up to like the that, like, uh, you know, she would read a Stephen King, then I would read it, you know, I would, she would clear it like at the time, like, it was safe enough for him to read. But like, but it was cool enough to have cool parents let me watch like movies I shouldn't have been watching, like books, so like it was cool. Uh, so I read a lot of, a lot of those books when I was younger, and uh, I was, I was huge in the year, and I know you're not much of a comic guy, I, I grew up on comics, like, I said, full nerd. Uh, I just read through like the entire Invincible series. Uh, oh, the cool. season two is coming out for that. Uh, I read through like the entire uh, the omnibus of those, so that was really cool. I really enjoyed that as well. It's, it's Robert Kirkman who did Walking Dead, uh, the comic as well. He did that same series, so I really enjoyed that as well. And um, like I said, full nerd. I, you, people probably gave you some great answers of like, like they were reading like philosopher and stuff like that. <laughs> I, I'm this man. I, I'm 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 too stuck in my ways. I want to read fun stuff.
1: Yeah, no, that's uh, it's good to have a good blend. Like, I've gotten some football <clears throat> recommendations, some some more serious stuff. I've been listening to like a good bit of science fiction, so all all over the place.
2: I think I
0: have. Can I keep it Jersey? I'll let you take it on the road. Because <laughs> even if you don't like basketball, it's just great to just, like hear like a perspective of like a dude that just like tried to like hang on as an athlete, mm-hmm. and then like the stories he has, like being around like dudes like Dennis Rodman and like yeah. stuff like that. It's really cool because he that's was awesome. on some of those Bulls teams, like as a hanger on, like a practice squad guy. It's very cool book though.
1: Yeah. No, that sounds sick. And then, all right, I'm going to close this out. What's your like number one football memory that you have? Is there like one game in particular or one moment that really stands out to you?
0: Um, I have a lot of, a lot of fun ones. Uh, so I grew up a 49ers fan. Uh, you know, I didn't have, I told the story. I just told it again with Pete and those guys, but I didn't have like a huge, like football influence from like my dad of like, he wasn't like a hardcore Browns dude. So I never got like pushed on my on me like you we root for the browns in this house like mm-hmm. we love it. so i never had on me so i would watch the browns at one and in we're talking like late 80s you know and they ran for four yards uh, a play. And then at four o'clock, you know, Madden Summerall would always be the Fox game. And it was typically every week was the 49ers and they were just playing a different game of football than everyone else. Mm. And it was easy to fall in love with. And you can say, Hey, you, you, you became a front runner or whatever. But I grew up a 49ers fan like that because it was, like I said, uh, I made the the analogy. It was like losing your football virginity to Rachel McAdams. Like, <laughs> like it was like, I was broke. It was a man. It was sex. It was like exposed to sex early. It was too good. I was going to turn it down. Um, but I remember I was, I was a huge Jerry Rice fan. Jerry Rice is my guy. Like, I wanted to be a wide receiver, uh, all these things. And I remember when Jerry Rice is going to break Jim Brown's touchdown record, I was at my buddy's house and he needed three touchdowns to break it. And they played the Raiders opening night on Monday night. And I said, He's going to break it, he's going to get all three tonight. <laughs> And he just I remember, you know, him getting that he had two early and then he kind of caught this, he caught this touchdown where Steve Young just threw it up kind of like double coverage. He makes this great catch over Albert Lewis, who was a safety for the Raiders at the time. And I have a uh you know a, a plaque of it and everything. But I just remember like that just feeling so good. So it was like my favorite player, and he he cemented like his historical legacy his historical legacy of broke the all-time touchdown record yeah uh, at the time it's crazy you end up scoring you know 200 touchdowns I don't know if yeah. that will ever be broken I don't know yeah, if that I will mean, ever be broken
1: all those stats where it's like if you look at any receiving stat over the age of like 35 or 38 it's like it's all Jerry rice and all it's it's, it's mind-boggling I mean and I'm someone who didn't really I don't have any memories of of watching him but just seeing his name at the top of every record book is absolutely crazy it's
0: crazy looking back at you and becoming an adult cause like adult version of jerry's like not the coolest dude like you know <laughs> he, he's like got, he's like done like a, a lot of weird promotion stuff and he's selling like copper bracelets and shit and i'm like come on jerry like what are we doing man <laughs> yeah. uh did you see
1: that uh, Julian Edelman was, like, talking on some podcast about how he took
0: Jerry Rice's yes.
1: daughter to prom? That was a crazy story. Yeah, yeah. it was
0: great. And, you know, uh, Edelman is funny. Like, I imagine, like, just, like, going in. Because he said, like, he'd, like, go, like, play, like, in his office, like, take, like, touch all shit. And do everything. <laughs> uh, how cool is that, man? Yeah, what a, what a cool, cool story. And then to have
1: that kid grow up and become Julian Edelman, like, what are the odds, too?
0: Right. Yeah, that, that Edelman podcast is interesting. So Edelman's a guy that had, like, a unique, like, he talked about this draft process coming through because no one knew what position he was going to be. He, he talked about like getting worked out at running back and cornerback and doing all these things like a really cool, like unique player. Cause you know, he played here at Kent state and he talked about oh, even yeah. coming to Ohio from California, coming to Ohio and playing couch ball and like the culture shock was he's here. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, the Kelsey's are from like 20 minutes from here. Right. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. No, that's, that's awesome. Well, rich, thanks so much for joining me. Do you want to give a chance? Here's let, let the people know where they can find you, your work, during the season
0: yeah listen uh at lord reeves on twitter i'm sure you guys know that but sharp football analysis we're we're grinding the worksheet i'm excited because you know as the season only progresses i only get better at this it's the kind of approach that i Mm -hmm. take and uh you know shout out to you i think that what you're doing is super cool and super fun i told you i was like i'm not necessarily jealous of what you're doing because at this stage of my life i don't think i would want to do that today but i think at your age and where you're doing i think it's so cool i hope this picks up some steam and like you know some some outlet kind of follows what you're doing and someone could do kind of a story on this because i think it's super cool man
1: thanks yeah yeah (laughs) Um, and yeah it's just been awesome to to meet like i think that taking that sort of like expo camaraderie of the fantasy community and having these little in-person interactions whenever possible has been definitely a highlight of the trip for me so far so thanks from my
0: dining room yeah
1: (laughs) shout out to the reeves household (laughs) (laughs) and with that thank you see you guys all on the next episode of fantasy football across america